Welcome to the December 2023 edition of Agribusiness News, brought to you by the Farm Advisory Service. Agribusiness News helps you scan your horizon, prepare for industry changes, and keeps you abreast of the latest research and policy updates. Along with our regular monthly updates on policy reefs, arable, beef, sheep, and milk, in this edition, we're also bringing you two sector overviews on pigs and meeting greenhouse gas emissions targets. We will also be bringing you news on new management and dyscalculia, dyslexia and Meers-Erland syndrome. Hello, my name is Christine Beaton and I'm the editor of this month's edition. First up, we have this month's news. Following the close of the consultation period for the new Agricultural and Rural Communities Scotland Bill, the industry will now have an extended wait to see how the outline support framework will translate into hard cash heading down the farm or Croft Road in the years to come. On a positive note, in response to the ongoing cost of living crisis, the UK government's autumn statement announced a 1-2% to reduction in national insurance rates and an annual increase of around £900 for those eligible for a state pension. In addition to which, the Scottish Government has announced new training funds available through Lantra for young people and women wanting to progress their careers in the agricultural sector. With this year's turbulent weather, it is no surprise there has been a reduction in the number of hectares planted of winter wheat, barley, oats and oilseed rape. However, it is expected there will be a compensatory increase in the area of combinable crops planted next spring. As we head towards Christmas, with a reported 15% reduction in turkey poults on farm this year, it could give a welcome boost to pork, beef and lamb sales over the festive period. Dairy products are already rising in demand ahead of the Christmas period. With the countdown underway to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 2032 and the complexities of running an agricultural business increasing year on year, this month's Management Matters highlights the help that is available to farmers and crofters who find managing their businesses a daily struggle simply because their eyes and brains interpret things differently, whether it be due to dyslexia, dyscalculia or Mers-Erland syndrome. Don't struggle in silence. Getting help can literally change your life. Moving on to this month's policy briefs. Let's kick off with the autumn statement. From the 6th of January 2024, the employee national insurance rate is being cut from 12% to 10% for earnings between £12,570 and £50,270. From April 2024, Class 2 self-employed national insurance contributions will be abolished. From April 2024, Class 4 paid on profits national insurance contributions will be reduced from 9% to 8% for earnings between £12,570 and £50,270. From April 2024, the state pension will rise by £17.35 per week to £221.20 per week, an increase of £900 per annum. From April 2024, the national living wage will rise to £11.44 per hour for all employees aged 21 and above. Following on from the closure of the consultation period on the new Agriculture and Rural Communities Scotland Bill, the Cabinet reshuffle within the UK Government, Marie Goujon is keen to meet with the new Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, Steve Barclay, to ensure that lessons have been learned with regards 
negotiating trade deals in the post-Brexit era and to discuss funding for Scotland's agricultural reform programme. In addition to the RSABI support funding of £1,000 per family available to Scottish farming and crofting businesses affected by Storm Babette, the Scottish Government has announced support funding accessible through the seven affected local council authorities, Aberdeenshire, Angus, Perth and Kinross, Fife, South Lanarkshire, Highland and Moray. Under the Bailwind scheme, impacted local authorities will be allocated additional funding to enable them to provide flat rate grants of £1,500 to people whose properties were most affected by flooding related to Storm Babette. £3,000 grants to businesses where there is evidence that ability to trade was severely impacted by flooding. Local authorities now have four months from the date of the incident to make an interim claim and until eight months following the incident to make a final claim under the scheme. Farmers affected by severe flooding in Aberdeenshire, Angus, Perth and Kinross, Fife and Moray this autumn will be eligible to apply for grants of up to £30,000 to help repair man-made flood banks. The scheme, expected to open this month, will be administered by the Scottish Government. Further details will be made available on the Rural Payments and Services website with links in the show notes. The Scottish Government has announced £570,000 of joint funding to help young people, women and girls develop new agricultural skills to progress their careers and or businesses in the agricultural sector. For both training funds, training up to the value of £500 per course will be fully funded. Any training over the value of £500 per course will be considered and assessed on a case-by-case basis. Further information about both training funds is available on the Land for Skills Hub. Please find the link in the show notes. Given the importance of tags in the livestock sector, researchers from SRUC are exploring the whys and wherefores of ear tag losses in Scotland and are keen to hear the views of all livestock keepers. If you would like to take part, please see the link in the show notes. As Azulox can no longer be used as a means to control bracken, the forestry grant scheme rate for the mechanical and manual control of bracken has been increased from £225 to £275 per hectare. Key dates to note. 1st of December 2023, LFAS and Young Farmers top-up payments start. 31st of December... Cross compliance period ends. Also, the 31st of December, Scottish Suckler Beef Support Scheme application period ends. Moving on to arable. The early bird survey results for 2024 cropping have been released by the AHDB. They have been derived from provisional 2023 survey data to produce forecasted crop areas. The rises. Although spring barley is anticipated to rise by a significant 13%. The area of oats is projected to rise by 12%, largely due to a greater expected rise in spring sowings, offsetting the fall in winter sown oats. There's also a notable increase in area expected for arable fallow, up 27% from 2023. The falls. Whilst the winter barley area is reported to have fallen by 6%, oilseed rate plantings has fallen by 16% with the harvested area potentially declining further because of water logging and heavy rains experienced. 
often filling the gap in this situation are pulses, but they are too are in steady decline, falling approximately 10% from 2023's harvest. UK wheat area for harvest estimate for 2024 is back by 1.3%, all within the winter crop. However, spring wheat sowings are expected to increase by as much as 23%, albeit from a low base in 2023. As the markets are aware of a tight supply and demand situation developing for wheat for 2024, wheat currently estimated to be available for export or held as free stock is down 64% on last season at 734,000 tonnes. Premiums are growing for new crop over old, with the differentials currently circa at £10-11 per tonne. The true value of new crop will emerge once a better insight is gained into the viability of sowing crops as they come through the winter. Feed barley prices are being pushed lower, pressured by lack of demand, and although the UK has a sizeable export surplus, it is uncompetitive, and therefore trade continues at a slow pace. Although barley is competitive in domestic feed rations, inclusion rates are already high, and with drifting markets, there is little to incentivise a buying rally. Malting barley of good quality retains its 60 to £70 premium over feed as domestic demand remains strong. The outlook for new crop value is less certain given the anticipated increase in area likely to be established in the spring. The indicators for a well-supplied 2024 market are there and locking into risk-free premiums now are worth considering. Demand for milling oats in the UK remains strong and quality is hard to come by. Merchants are blending and cleaning crops to maximise the supply that could be consumed. Price destruction is a risk later in the season if prices continue to be supported by demand, effectively pricing oats out of the feed market. Global production of oil seeds is expected to continue expanding in 2023-24, reaching a new record high and reflecting higher forecasts for soya and sunflower that more than offset an expected contraction in rapeseed production. The anticipated increase in soybean production primarily hinges on expectations of a considerable output recovery in Argentina and a continued area expansion in Brazil, assuring normal weather conditions in both countries. On the other hand, soybean output in the United States of America will likely decline for the second consecutive season due to reduced plantings. The UK recent trade figures demonstrate a contracting national rapeseed crop with exports almost half the five-year average for the quarter July to September. Similarly, over the same quarter, imports have increased year-on-year by 10% and are 27% greater than the five-year average. Beef price remains static. After several weeks at 4.99 pence per kilogram deadweight, Finnish beef prices have recently seen a festive uplift with R4L steers sitting at 500 pence per kilogram deadweight in Scotland for the weekend in November the 18th. Improved retail demand as the Christmas countdown begins is supporting prime cattle prices, with figures from QMS showing cattle and sheep prices were 20 to 25% above the five-year average in early November. However, 
With only two more weeks left for Christmas orders, it is unlikely that prices will increase significantly now and will more likely stand on as processors look to fill retailer orders. With numbers of prime cattle remaining fairly tight combined with early festive demand from butchers and abattoirs, several auction marts have recently reported a strong trade in the live ring as prices have increased throughout November. Although AHDB data estimates prime cattle slaughters to be trending upwards, carcass weights remain lighter, with reports of leaner cattle potentially a reflection of wet weather resulting in poor grazing and variable silage quality. Going forward, the increasing influence of dairy beef-bred animals could contribute to a lowering of weights and cattle killing out later. Cow prices have started to slide seasonally as processors focus on prime cattle. That being said, trade for cull cows remains good and will possibly increase into the new year as consumers turn to processed beef following the Christmas spend. After starting 2023 ahead of 2022 levels, cull cow numbers coming through Scottish abattoirs fell during summer and autumn of this year, suggesting that the Scottish beef herd is now beginning to stabilise. Scotland's annual census recorded a 3.5% decline year-on-year in beef cow numbers, with total numbers of cows sitting at 394,700 head, while England's June census recorded a decline of 3.6%. The continuing decline of suckler cows is a real concern for the industry. Scott EID calf registrations highlight the impact of herd contraction, reporting a significant decline of 2.7% in the first nine months of this year compared to 2022. Looking forward, a reduced 2023 calf crop will affect prime cattle availability and supply in autumn of 2024, with pressure on beef availability likely to peak in spring 2025. TV adverts have become synonymous with countdown to Christmas, and in a seasonal first, Scotch meat is to be highlighted by QMS in its first ever Christmas TV campaign. Food-focused Christmas TV ads are proven to push sales, with retailers highly focused on their campaigns, which have become for consumers a real highlight over the festive period. The hope is that consumers will get thinking about Scotch meat, and importantly, our livestock sector, buying into the great story the Scottish beef industry has to tell, not just at Christmas and New Year, but going forward into 2024. If you're interested in hearing more about how consumers perceive farming, have a listen to another Farm Advisory Service podcast, The Rural Roundup, where on the 6th of December they released an episode entitled A Farmer Isn't Just for Christmas, where they discuss the public perception of farming throughout the year. Moving on to sheep. The National Christmas Feast, the traditional turkey, had supply issues last year with the impact of avian influenza. This saw some families moving to other meats where lamb showed to fare well in the seasonal sales. Avian influenza, now endemic in the wild bird population, brings a higher level of immunity in the wild bird population and less virus circulating reducing the risk to the traditional turkey producer. With a reported 15% less turkey poults on farm this year, again, it could mean that the market could be tight, 
which could result well for lamb sales. The American Farm Bureau Federation has recently published their annual survey results on the cost of a Thanksgiving meal. There are no surprises here showing the effect of high supply costs and inflation rates has risen Thanksgiving feasts by 25% since 2019. Lamb in the UK in the week ending the 18th of November is 42 pence per kilogram higher than it was last year, or £8.80 per lamb. However, for the Christmas market, the consumer tends to invest in good quality luxury foods, which is probably a reason lamb fared so well last year. The export market remains very favourable, with a reduced number of lambs on the continent and high European price making our lamb very competitive. The Australian price has substantially fallen over the last year, mainly due to the expansion in the flock and high availability supply. The Australian Bureau of Statistics has recently published their slaughter and production statistics for the third quarter of 2023. These show the lamb production in 2023 as the highest on record and that lamb slaughter in quarter three in 2023 is 20% higher than that in quarter three of 2022. HDB has shown that our domestic market is being supplied by an increased volume of imported lamb as the year has progressed. This is especially from Australia, who have access to trade and have a high supply of lamb. Imports from New Zealand are decreasing, while our exports are rising. The balance of supply and demand is at play here. We're very reliant on the export market for meat and livestock products in the UK, with the EU being a major customer. New legislation from the EU requires that from the 13th of December 2023, producers have a vet attestation. This is where producers can prove that an annual visit from a vet has been carried out to view any signs of notifiable diseases and assess for biosecurity risks. That is relevant for all livestock farmers that produce food that's end destination is the food chain, which may be exported to the EU. However, those who are members of quality assurance schemes do not need to do anything different as the rules to comply with those require at least one annual vet visit. Non-farm assured producers who send animals for slaughter should obtain a vet attestation. Producers may think that animals will not be exported, but in fact, a large proportion of our meat is. If the carcass itself is not exported, other parts of the animals may be, for example, fifth quarter although the hide does not require a vet attestation. More information can be found in the show notes. Now, let's move on to a sector focus on pigs. Optimism can be a dangerous thing for the pig sector. Just when it looks like there will be a much-needed sustained period of profitability to help encourage investment, prices start to fall and that feeling of trepidation starts to creep in. While prices have risen through much of 2023, reaching a peak in mid-August, prices have since fallen back due to weakening domestic demand and a significant drop in EU pig prices. Although producers are still making a profit, feed prices have started to creep up again following the harvest lows for feed, barley and wheat. Numbers finished 
are still well back on previous years due to the contraction of the UK breeding herd over the past two years. From a low of 137 pence per kilogram in February 22, the standard pig price reached a peak of just under 226 pence per kilogram in August 23, a rise of nearly 65% in 18 months. Since then, a succession of weekly falls has seen the price drop to 217 pence per kilogram. While UK prices have fallen 8.5 pence per kilogram in recent months, EU producers have seen their prices fall by over 30 pence per kilogram since July. More interesting and perhaps concerning is the fact that the differential between UK and EU prices has widened from under 10 pence to 32 pence in recent weeks, much higher than normal, with the EU being the main competitor to UK producers in the home market. Combined with a report showing a reduction in consumer demand, the outlook is less positive than a few months ago. Average slaughter weights have crept up over the summer, reaching 91 kilograms for the first time in over a year, although this should reduce in the next few weeks as processors begin to pull forward pigs in the run-up to Christmas. Number slaughtered each week continues to be more than 20,000 pigs less than 12 months earlier at just over 150,000 pigs. AHDB have predicted that the reduced throughput in 2023 should result in a reduction in UK pig meat production of around 15% compared with 2022. Cull sow values have crept back over the summer, now being worth 105 to 114 pence per kilogram, which is still much higher than the start of 22. When prices were poultry 20 pence per kilogram, which was a lot of meat for very little money. Wieners continue to be in demand, with specialist finishers still seeing that a reasonable margin can be made. Over the summer, 7 kilogram wieners have traded at 50 to 55 pounds per head, with plenty takers for surplus pigs. While prices have eased back from their peak, the latest published margins for AHDB for quarter three of 2023 showed pig farm margins have continued to increase, albeit only slightly from the previous quarter. Total costs have fallen considerably from the peak of 240 pence per kilogram in quarter two of 2022 to 195 pence per kilogram by quarter three of 2023, with prices received rising to 224 pence per kilogram leaving a margin of 28 pence per kilogram. A combination of rising prices and falling costs have contributed to the change in fortunes, with feed prices in falling from a peak of 175 pence per kilogram in quarter three of 2023. The reduction in finished pigs has inevitably had a knock-on effect in exports, with 224,000 tonnes exported by the end of September 23 compared to 284,000 tonnes at the same point in 22. Imports in 23 to the end of September decreased slightly in volume, but showed an increase in overall value, being 579,000 tonnes in 23, compared to 600,000 tonnes by this time in 2022. Further afield in China, oversupply and weakening demand has seen pig prices fall by over 30% in a year, 
which is being blamed for potentially putting the economy in a deflationary situation. Zinc oxide has been used at therapeutic levels for many years, playing an important role in reducing post-weaning diarrhoea in young pigs. Following its 2022 withdrawal by the EU, existing supplies are being clawed up. This means that producers are now having to review their young pig management with a range of alternatives being tried from nutritional changes, boosting piglet immunity to changes in management. Stagnant milk volumes and greater demand boost commodity prices. Milk volumes are now over 3% below this time last year. Industry analysts suggest milk prices have reached the bottom and should start to improve in quarter one and quarter two of 2024. GB milk output for October has been estimated at 1,006 million litres, 4.5% more than the previous month and 2.6% below below October 2022. Daily deliveries were 32.49 million litres as of the week ending the 18th of November, 0.4% above the previous week, but 3.2% less than the same week in 22. UK production for October was estimated at 1,185 million litres. Milk prices will likely be holding steady from the majority of processes given the uplift in commodity prices and stagnant milk volumes. The DEFRA average UK milk price for September 23 was 36.36 pence per litre. Up 0.16 pence per litre from August. Please note that the following prices are in pence per litre. First milk manufacturing. 36.0. 36.0. Muller, Muller Direct Scotland, 36.25. Graham's, 35.0. Arla Farmers Manufacturing, 35.21. Lactalis Fresh Milk Company, 34.0. Utree Dairy, 36.0. Dairy commodity prices continue to rise with all products traded between 23rd October and 20th November, showing an average price increase from the previous month. Butter and cream showed the biggest rises, up 13% and 11% respectively. With milk supply continuing to be well below last year's volumes, butter stocks are tightening and demand is starting to increase for the festive period. Export demand for cream to the EU has also picked up on the back of falling milk supplies on the continent. Mild cheddar has shown a bigger rise compared to last month, as demand improves both at home in the run-up to Christmas and for export for the US Thanksgiving holiday. Therefore, market indicators AMPE and MCPE have also risen from last month, with AMPE 1.14 pence per litre above MCVE. The milk market value was up 2.2 pence per litre to 36.76 pence per litre for November, the highest it's been since March. After four consecutive price rises in the GDT auction in September and October, the two auctions in November have been flat, with a negative 0.7% and most recent 0% change in the average price for products sold. 
The latest average was $3,268 per tonne, with the biggest mover being cheddar, down 9.7% to $3,637 per tonne. The cost of production is currently around 37 pence per litre, which is above what many Scottish milk buyers are paying, depending on contract. For October, the milk price to feed price ratio calculated by AHDB and DEFRA was 1.18, much lower than 12 months ago, 1.39. This ratio indicates the value of milk in relation to purchase feed costs. At 1.18, milk production is only just in the stable zone. If below 1.16, a reduction in milk output is expected. The most recent costings data from ProMars MilkMinder for September had a purchase feed cost of 11.93 pence per litre, with a daily yield per cow of 25.57 litres and a milk price of 35.98 pence per litre, returning a margin over purchase feed of 24.05 pence per litre, compared to a margin of 35.68 pence per litre 12 months ago. AHDB's last survey of milk buyers has shown the dairy farmer numbers have fallen to 7,500 as of October 23, an estimated 350 less than this time last year. Not surprisingly, the reduction has been attributed to declining returns with milk price having fallen on average 13 pence per litre in the last 12 months and high input costs for energy, feed, fuel and fertiliser. While these have eased in the past few months, they are still significantly higher than pre-Ukraine war. Now, let's move on to the sector focus on meeting greenhouse gas emissions targets. The stakes are high for COP28, the latest climate summit in the United Arab Emirates, which runs from the 30th of November through to the 12th of December. As according to a recent UN report, most countries that signed up to the temperature-limiting targets agreed at the Paris COP agreement in 2015 are not on track to achieve them. As part of Scotland's efforts, Scottish agriculture has been set an ambitious target reducing the sector's greenhouse gas emissions by 31% by 2032 relative to 2019 levels. This challenge is significant, as the calculation is based on gross, not net, emissions. Sequestration of carbon, for example by a farmer planting trees, benefits the land use, land use change and forestry inventory, but not the agriculture inventory under current international reporting rules. So the broad options for Scottish farming are produce the same output with 31% less emissions, no change in emissions intensity, simply reduce output, a halfway house that combines some reduction of output with some improvement in emissions intensity. The first option looks preferable but seems hopelessly optimistic with current technologies, while the second, reducing agricultural output, implies less farmers and smaller processing and input sectors, so it's economically unattractive, which seems to leave some variation of the final option. Government efforts to improve Scottish agriculture's carbon footprint have been largely carrot-based to date. Government grants are available for carbon auditing, soil testing and improving animal health, 
with FAS also funding carbon audit action plans. Farming for a Better Climate is a headline initiative providing advice to farmers. Anecdotal evidence suggests that uptake of grants and advice has been underwhelming. So indications are that some stick will be used to nudge farmers to act by attaching conditions to future support. Details are expected next February. Yet pressure to adopt more climate-friendly farming practices is coming from another direction, which may prove more compelling. To comply with the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, some retailers and processors are voluntarily introducing systems to record their Scope 3 emissions, which includes emissions from the farmers they buy from. The UK government is currently consulting as to whether to make such Scope 3 reporting mandatory. Closes the 14th of December. Nestle is committed to halving its emissions in absolute terms by 2030. Problem is, 95% of Nestle's emissions come from its supply chain. Fonterra, the farmer-owned New Zealand cooperative and a big supplier of dairy ingredients to Nestle, has just announced plans for a 30% cut in on-farm emissions intensity by 2030 relative to 2018. However, critics point out that this is not a commitment to an absolute reduction in emissions. So how do we square the apparent contradiction between emissions intensity and cutting emissions absolutely? Think in terms of supply chains, not overall sectors. Some dairy farmers, given a premium price, will strive to cut their emissions by adopting practices that raise emissions intensities. Those producers will supply the Nestle contract, helping Nestle meet its absolute reductions goal. That's how it works here in Scotland. Most of the other better paying dairy contracts are also environmentally and welfare demanding with productivity improvements also highlighted. Companies and other sectors are also involving payment structures to reward on-farm management that cuts Scope 3 emissions. Suppliers of crops to McCain's, Diageo and PepsiCo, for example oats, are either contracted directly or via intermediaries like Maltsters. Sainsbury's introduced a premium Angus beef range this autumn, sourced via APP that is produced with 25% lower emissions. Removing all support would cut emissions of Scottish agriculture, simply because output, especially that of the beef sector, would fall. Total removal of support is not going to happen, but a reg support is likely to decline in future due to an overall squeeze in government spending and switch in funding to schemes that directly deliver public goods like limiting climate change and improving biodiversity. These are additional to conditionality. What happens to the level of Scottish agriculture's emissions in coming years will therefore result from some farms producing their output more efficiently, whilst others lower emissions by reducing output or exiting the industry, ensuring that the balance is toward the former should be the goal. Now, let's move on to you management. Body condition scoring is an essential tool for assessing the nutritional status of ewes. During mid-pregnancy, ideally, the body condition score should be maintained around 3 to 3.5, 2 to 2.5 for hill ewes. 
ensuring the health of both the ewe and her developing fetus. There is a wealth of research which shows how ewes under target body condition scores are more likely to die and how the body condition score targets relate to greater rearing rates. The ewe's body condition directly influences the quality and quantity of colostrum and milk produced. Sufficient fat reserves are imperative for meeting the increased energy demands of late pregnancy and lactation. The colostrum, vital for lamb immunity and growth, can be adversely affected in quality if the ewe is in poor condition. The guidance before pregnancy is to get as many to target as possible to reduce the need to correct condition score through pregnancy. However, there are years with bad weather and conditions where condition loss through the winter occurs. Therefore, some may be considering options for lean ewes now. The first key tip is monitoring. Get a feel of the ewes as regularly as possible and split those that are under target for priority feeding. This effort will certainly pay dividends come lambing time. As a minimum, gauge condition and scanning time and split off the lean ewes to be fed with the triplets or keep them separate altogether if practical. Feeding to increase the condition becomes more challenging as pregnancy progresses. Therefore, working to improve it should be done sooner rather than later. The last six weeks of pregnancy should be the absolute last resort as at this time, thin ewes tend to give the nutrients to the growing foetus and are more likely to require assistance with lambing. Rumen-friendly rations are based on forage. Find that with the greatest energy density for these thin ewes. This should be attractive to them to eat and they should have plenty of access, over 15 centimetres per ewe. Although ewes like to eat hay, it often has a lower energy density, so high energy silage is preferred. With plenty of access, combined with checks that they are consuming the stuff, a silage of 10.5 megajoules of metabolizable energy per kilogram of dry matter will meet the requirements of a 75 kilogram twin bearing ewe with extra for condition gain up to seven weeks pre-lambing. Keep monitoring and only provide additional hard feed if required. Nutrition from forage is more rumen friendly than from concentrate feed. However, in the last six or seven weeks of pregnancy, additional concentrate feeding is often required. But again, the ration should start with energy dense forage and the protein and energy deficit is met with concentrate feeds. We cannot undervalue the role of independent nutritionist advice at this stage to calculate more precisely the supplemental feed requirement. Nutritionists might save you money or might cause you to spend more money, but the feed will be calculated to meet the needs of your flock to give your lambs and ewes a greater chance of survival. Beware when buying in forage you may bring in disease. There have been reports of people bringing toxoplasmosis onto the farm with purchased forage. This disease is associated with cats and the osis from toxoplasmosis can survive on grain and conserved forage. If this reaches naive ewes in early to mid-pregnancy, the foetus often dies or is born with brain damage, 
Later in pregnancy, the fetus has a greater chance of surviving, but may be born weak. Once an outbreak of toxoplasmosis has started, there is little that can be done other than to observe sensible precautions by disposing of dead lambs and infected placentas, and disinfecting contaminated pens. Vaccination is warranted in most flocks, but pregnant ewes cannot be vaccinated and there have been supply issues in recent years. Therefore, discuss with your vet. Medicated feed with decoquinate is only an option to those 14 weeks away from lambing, as this is the duration it needs to be fed to be effective. Finally, we'll move on to dyscalculia, dyslexia and Mears-Erlen syndrome. Many farmers and crofters struggle their way through school with reading, spelling, writing and maths, not because of lack of intelligence or work ethic, but simply because the eyes and brains interpret things differently from each other. If words move around or fade in and out on a page, you struggle with spelling and or if you get math calculations wrong when you know what you're doing, you could have a recognised learning difficulty such as dyslexia, Mears-Erlen or dyscalculia. Given the huge amount of administration that comes with running a modern farming business, don't keep struggling on. View getting help as no different from going to the opticians. It can be life-changing. Dyslexia Scotland has estimated that one in four people in the rural community have dyslexia. As it can be heredity, it often runs in families. While common signs of dyslexia of difficulties in learning to read, write, and or spell, and often confusing your left from your right. About 60% of people with dyslexia also struggle with numbers. Dyslexia Scotland has an online checklist that can help your success if you have dyslexia. Please find a link to this in the show notes. To raise awareness of the challenges many people involved in farming face with dyslexia, during December, RSABI is conjunction with Dyslexia Scotland are offering farmers and crofters over 40 who have never been assessed for dyslexia a free confidential professional assessment. To arrange an assessment, please call the RSABI's 24-hour free phone helpline 0808 1234 An RSABI video on dyslexia can be accessed from the show notes. Mears-Erlen syndrome, or visual stress, is where the visual cortex of the brain is unable to properly process visual information from the eyes due to sensitivity to certain wavelengths of light. The most common difficulties experienced by people diagnosed with Mears-Erlen are reading text on white paper due to the brightness of the background, difficulty tracking lines of text when reading, eye strain and headaches, difficulty judging distances, problems identifying math symbols correctly. A formal diagnosis can be made by a specialist orthoptist who can provide coloured acetates or coloured glasses to help alleviate some of the symptoms, making reading easier and more enjoyable. If you've always struggled with numbers and often write down tag numbers wrong by mixing up the numbers, you may have dyscalculia. 
Does calculus difficulties apply to arithmetic and not necessarily to other areas of maths, such as geometry and algebra? Difficulties include undertaking maths calculations such as adding, subtracting, multiplying and dividing, plus difficulty understanding money, time, distances and directions. While there are many websites offering advice on coping strategies, the best advice is to tell friends and family that you have dyscalculia and ask them to help you with calculating dosages for stock, chemicals for spraying, banking and budgeting and ask someone to double check the numbers when dealing with the government forms and or stock records. Thanks very much for listening to this audio edition of the December 2023 Agribusiness News. Remember to like Agribusiness News to get notified of future episodes of this monthly podcast. This edition was edited by Christine Beaton and included articles written by Christine Beaton, Mark Bauscher Gibbs, Sarah Balfour, Kirsten Williams, George Chalmers, Lorne McPherson, Kev Bevan and Poppy Freder. Presented by myself, Tiffany Stevenson and produced by Alistair Trail. This podcast is part of the Scottish Farm Advisory Service and produced in association with the Scottish Government.